Good evening, dear listener. Welcome once again to our little Chelsea Club podcast, uh, where four ordinary people sit around and try to bring you, the listener, a verbal picture of the trials, tribulations and occasional triumphs of what it's like to be a Chelsea fan. I've now made a unilateral decision that we will continue as before in the numbering stakes, so none of that episode bloody two, series two, subsection three. This will merely be episode 79. Soisant this nerf, as the French might say. In the great tradition of Londoners, who were never worried about borrowing stuff from others, I've also decided to do uh, a bit of a fan cast and apply a provisional title to each episode. So uh, welcome one and all to the Podding Shed, Prodigal Sons and Changing Fortunes. Although no doubt our dear leader Nick, the engineering engineering genius and serial book reader, who sweats for hours remastering and overlaying tracks to get the perfect product, will find a much (coughs) pithier and funny title from within the ensuing conversation. Um, Tonight, we will discuss the three games since the last episode, starting with the rather lovely 3-0 win over the champions, um, Leicester, followed by a week later by a superb 4-0 4-0 drubbing of Manchester United, led by our own prodigal son, Jose Mourinho, and then a little bit about West Ham. But, before we continue, I just want to play a little tribute, okay, to the return of our prodigal son, something from us Chelsea fans that he can treasure forever. <laughs> I should have guessed. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> to Jose, one, with love, one, the podding shit. <laughs> yeah, I thought I'd just appreciate that. It was, without doubt, the single funniest tweet I saw on Sunday, which was the first goal was set to the countdown music, and I, I retweeted it almost endlessly, um, and I put it on Facebook, and I actually sent it to a couple of Man United fans, of my you know friends of mine on Facebook, and said, listen, take this in the spirit of what it's meant, okay, I'll try not to gloat, because it obviously comes back and kicks you on the arse at some point or another, but... Um, yeah, it was just too funny. Anyway, let's carry on. Did you see the one where they where they, they cut it side by side with um, Poyer's goal when when we beat them? No, I didn't. Oh, God. I would have loved oh, yes. that. Someone's uh, cleverly realised that Poyer scored in 29 seconds, I think. Oh, so right. they've actually they've got a side-by-side video of the two goals happening. Oh, and then, of course, me. some other wag went on to point out Last time we beat them by four goals or something, they they went on to win the treble. Yeah, but, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, we'll try and stay optimistic. Yeah. Okay. Um. Well, uh, my name is Tony Glover. Um. Known by my friends at the Chelsea Fancast, a, a rival um, fan uh, uh, podcast, as the Reverend Tony Glover. I'm not sure why, but also assume the pseudonym pseudonym on Twitter or handle as it's called of at Gross Jack UK. Tonight, as ever, I'm joined by the new three, one from each line in the three four three formation for the Podding Shed. We have a tight defence, a fluid midfield, and a flexible forward line. The fluid midfield is, of course, our man Donal. At Dr. Blue Bio. Good evening, Donald. Good evening. Even though you've already... We shall be later on demonstrating, hello, our 
you know, young lad, Chalabar, I shall be, of course, uh, giving you a, a breakdown of how exactly to achieve the double nutmeg. <clears throat> That'll be the masterclass later on. on. We look forward to it, mate. We look forward to it. In our tight defence, we have the our tight defence actually comes in uh, again as in the form of um, long-time Chelsea fan. Um, and author of the very fine read that is Palpable Discord. Now finished, actually, Clayton. I've done it now. Um, but it is Clayton, also known as at Goldie59 on Twitter. Good evening, Clayton. Um, I didn't actually see you on Sunday, but I assume you were in the normal place. Um, you didn't see me because I wasn't there. Ah, good job I didn't <laughs> shout across to the man that I thought might be you, hiding behind someone else, you know, some piece of abuse, really. You know, as, no, as, I, in, as in banter I, abuse. I, I, I think one of the normal hand gestures would have gone down very well as the fight ensued. Uh, no, I, I wasn't there. I'll explain more later. Obviously, I'm a plastic, so um, that's why I wasn't well, there. I just okay. didn't fancy it. You know, it was a, there was a sort of a, an omnibus edition of uh, Emmerdale on, so I thought I'm, I'm not leaving my seat. <laughs> well, it was a packed week in Emmerdale last week. You know, it really was. Um, and last but not least, the newest member of the podding shed. Um, good evening and welcome to Kweku, who tweets as... At number one is Chelsea, back for his second appearance from the whistle, um, and I'm guessing that makes him the, for, the flexible forward line. He's our very own Costa-Hazard hybrid. Good to have him on again. Good evening, Kweku. Cheers, good evening all, and um, don't worry, Clayton, um, the quick summary is that it's all for nothing. You're very quiet again, Kweku. Um, you've gone from the opposite end of it. Yeah, you're going to have to keep there moving that microphone I'm back, in front. I'm back in, the, I'm back in the Vulcan now. Is that a bit better? Yeah, that's better. It's, it's uh, your, your microphone's slipping or your mask or, or something. Yeah, it's... Revealing my other face. Yeah, it's, not that, one of those um, clown, it's not one of those clown chaps who's jumping out on people and pushing themselves. I was just saying that um, Clayton shouldn't worry because the quick summary of the game was it was all for nothing, really. Ah, yeah. right, excellent, good. Um, we'll, we'll cover all of the games, I think, in the meantime. I'm quite happy with um, what happened last night, but we'll come on to that later on. Um, let's start, first of all, um, with the games, uh, the Premier League games that we've had, and in, in uh, what seems like a, a, a not only a change in fortune... Oh, I can hear a buzz on the line. That must be... Is that my phone? It could well be. Bugger off. Right, um... Uh, so yes, let's start with um, Clayton and get a general view of the the two Premiership games um, since the whole game. Uh, Leicester and Manchester. Let's start with Leicester, Clayton. Um, I just want to make about my point about this is I am fed up to the back teeth about people telling me the other team were crap. Okay, um, Leicester came to us as champions, and Manchester United came as well. Manchester United, um, and they would have wanted to prove both of them a huge point. Um, Leicester probably that they're not. Um, uh, you know, just a one-off uh, flash in the pan, and United just because it was Jose. But um, so I, I'm a little bit pissed off, as it as, as it were, with a lot of the criticism on Twitter and some of the lack of uh, credit, as I see it, from the media um, over two very very good performances where we made them look crap. Clayton, your thoughts? Um, I think there's there's two points here. The first is you're quite right. Um, if you sort of go back to our embarrassing defeats against Liverpool and Arsenal. One of the things that didn't seem to get mentioned is, OK, we were poor, uh, certainly particularly the first 45 minutes against Arsenal, but nobody seems to give credit to the opposition. And in in this particular circuit, or the, in both circumstances, um, 
we the, fir- the the 45 minutes I think we played against Leicester the first 45 minutes was in my opinion and I've heard other people say this this is the for me it was the best we'd played in 18 months um I mean I, I know a lot of people look back to Swansea and say that was the last time we played really well um and perhaps it was but I mean we still went on to win the league that season but I think that the the way we played individual performances were outstanding in that game and we were a team and I thought we played very very well um people can say that Leicester aren't what they were last year and I think that's inevitable I don't think they'll ever do what they did last year and and you know that 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 that's a fact but we played very well um we beat them 3-0 um and they didn't have a sniff they had a, a 10 minute period um after half time but we played very well uh and then continued that against Manchester United um always scoring very early on helps but I thought our play was excellent um I think a lot like last season uh Jose was obviously watching a different game to the one that was taking place in front of him because yeah, some of his no comments doubt, yeah. were absolutely absurd I yeah. mean I remember control I of the game yeah yeah I mean I don't know if you remember the game when we lost uh last season away at Everton we were comprehensively outplayed. We had about 20 minutes where we, we were OK. Um, and he came off the pitch and said, we didn't deserve that result. Well, actually, no, we did. Um, and Manchester United deserved that result. Yes, there were points where perhaps the game could have changed. If um, Ibrahimovic would have scored that goal to make it one all, it might have been a different game. But the bottom line was he didn't. Um, and Jose pointed to us hitting them on the counter-attack, which was absolutely absurd I mean one of the goals was from a corner so I'm not entirely sure how that's a counter-attack but the bottom line is the defence looked much more solid we look much more like a team and it's been an absolute pleasure um, the last couple of games has been fantastic Kweku your thoughts and especially I would like to be interested Kweku in your view as to whether or not Leicester really came to us as champions in capability mind and spirit or whether they did I mean I think they you know they, they've um, they've had a bit of a rough start to the season, but ostensibly it's still the same team. They've lost Kante, but um, uh, you know, I, I, I really did get a bit pissed off going home listening to Five Live and other people saying, "Well, you know, it was only Leicester." Um, you know, they were runaway champions more or less last season. So, your views as well, please. Yeah, you need to get in front of the microphone again, mate. There we go. Is that, can you guys that, hear me? All right. Yeah, that's fine now. That's perfect. I think we have set out a way of playing and a mentality um, which goes back to what I was saying on the last uh, on the last podcast. Um, it's going to serve us well throughout the rest of the season. We um, we have a structure. Uh, we're moving the ball quicker, um, and we're playing with a with a belief in what we're doing. You can see it. You can see the players making the runs they need to make. Um, in the knowledge that other people are going to be in position to receive the ball and, and, and that other players are going to actually take risks, take chances, because they know that everyone else around them defensively is where they should be and attacking-wise is where they should be. And I think, the, I think what you saw against Leicester in particular is I think you're seeing the emergence of some new player we call Victor Moses. Um, I think this guy, I've got so much time for him. Um, and on the other side, Marcus Alonso. So I thought Leicester was... Leicester was a, almost like a warm-up act for what we were going to see against Manchester United. 
Um, I'm going to touch on Moses later on. Um, I've, yeah, I've, I've, I've coined a name for him, but yeah, carry on. Sorry, come on, carry on. I, I think I, I just uh, I think that you, as I said, it was a, it was a dress rehearsal. Um, we did a very similar thing to Manchester United as we did to Leicester. We moved the ball quickly. Um, we played with a, with an intensity, um, and we played with a focus as well. Um, we didn't stop playing once the first and second goals had gone in. We carried on looking for more. We carried on looking for opportunities. And as I said, it goes back to what I hope I've been trying to say um, throughout throughout these podcasts, which is that there's a character to this team, which we may make mistakes, but I think in the end, um, I think it's just going to make us a very, very nasty side to play against because we know that we are going to put people under a lot of pressure um, all the time, all the time, all the time. Um, and, and that's that's essentially yeah. without sort of spilling on into Man United. That that was my take uh, take on Leicester. Yeah, some um, some, good, some some really good points in there, Donal. Um, I'd, I'd like your views, and and also Donal. Do you want to throw in whether or not you think it was either or both games were a real test of the three four three, you know, uh, revelation that we've had. You know, this kind of. Um, <laughs> evangelical moment where we've gone oh my god it really does work <clears throat> um, I, I the first I saw of it I think was on that you know second half versus um, Arsenal where I think he changed things around and then you know we, we didn't concede a goal to that, from that point onwards really um, I'm taking the West Ham game out of out of that but um, your thoughts please yeah um, just before I do that my uh, recording equipment appears to be out the swanny I've just noticed so hopefully yours is or we could have another lost episode. Is yours working? Okay, mine appears to be working absolutely fine. This is okay. this is why this is why jets flying across the Atlantic have to have two engines. You know, one yes. one, one may fail. You know, but two shouldn't happen. It's, it's and, and the other one, I'm, right. I'm usually using. I'm usually using yeah. the other one. <laughs> <laughs> carry on, carry on, Donald. Um, yeah, I mean, I. I, I He's gone to three at the back, and, and as people have pointed out, it appeared to start pretty much in the second half against Arsenal. Um, whether or not he's got the ideal setup yet remains to be seen, I think. But it certainly certainly worked against Leicester, and um, the use of Moses uh, on one side, um, and uh, oh, his name's escaped me. Who's our wing Alonso. back? On Alonso. 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 Sorry, my mind just went blank. Um, Happens at your you know. age. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for that vote of confidence. Well, um, bit, being a similar age, I can I can sympathise. Uh, th- thank you very much. What was your name? Um, yes. Yeah, so <laughs> I think the using those two, using Louis um, as as almost the the guy who's, who's sort of middle of the back three and, and using those two uh, did seem to give a reasonable amount of flexibility. You know, they they seem to be able to, to move the ball out from the back um, relatively well. Um, and it, it seemed to, you know, there, there was definitely a spark there. People seemed to settle into the system pretty well. Um, and... You know, yes, I suppose Leicester maybe had half an eye on their Champions League game the following week, but they have been improving as a side since the start of the season, and we certainly made a better fist of it than we did in the uh, in the League Cup game a few weeks before. 
But yeah, I thought I thought it, it seemed to be a formation worth persisting with if if it was if it was allowing you know Chelsea to play in a more flexible manner, as it were. And um, you know, obviously against Hull, they'd done it and it worked. But I suppose we were all half of the opinion that anything might have worked against Hull because they were quite poor. <laughs> this was sort of yeah. a you know a step up for that. That formation and and it seemed to be seemed to be working well yeah, and um, you know it it, it was interesting. I know we come on to the West Ham, yeah. but it was interesting that and, and this is not knocking Aspilicueta, but when they moved him out to play the wing back uh, position, it, it didn't seem to work in, in the same way that yeah. you know Moses appears to be able to play that at the moment. So yeah, I think once again it, it's the idea that you know Conte has played three at the back in the past and we were sort of all half expecting him to go down that road. But he also seems to be playing it because he has a certain view that he needs to play that way to, to get the best out of what he's, the players he's got. And, and that, that suits them better than sticking yeah. with four, three, three, which wasn't yeah. really working. No, uh, I'll, I'll take, I'll take the view. I mean, I think I go back to a couple of things, which is one is square pegs and square holes, which is, um, joy to see um, you know instead of this um, you know we saw it again with Manchester United with Rashford was more or less playing as a left back for God's sake you know uh, and I, I, the one thing I noticed in the in the sort of Leicester game and it's, there was two points I was going to make about the Leicester game one um, was lunchtime really necessary for Leicester who had played Champions League football in the week and you know did that give us any sort of advantage I I, I, I think their fans did an admirable job of you know filling the shed and making plenty of noise um, you know for a for lunchtime kickoff but it just seemed a peculiar kickoff time for two non um, non derby teams uh, and one who'd played in midweek in a Champions League game and the other one was that um, you know they, they've lost one player as far as I recall Kante who's playing for us uh, and in the last two games, he looks like a spectacular difference, especially, um, I, I, I can't describe him as anything other than like a young, fast Makaleli who has some attacking capability. Um, so, you know, that was generally my thoughts on it. But the Kante question is a real, real good one for me. Clayton? Um, I basically, in, in a blog that I wrote after the Leicester game, I described Kante as a player who comes along once in a generation, and, and I, I honestly believe that. I hope um, that we can live up to whatever expectations he has. He is an amazingly fantastic player. Um, I think not only does he bring energy and vibrancy to the team, but he also um, has been a, a huge help to, to Matic. I mean, Matic who basically was the absolute whipping boy, all of a sudden people are going, oh, actually he's not quite as crap as we thought he was. And, oh, you know, the guy fell off a cliff, his form fell off a cliff, and it was very unfortunate. But but in most recent weeks, people have actually been saying, oh, he's rather good. Um, I mean, I understand that Conte spent a huge amount of time trying to persuade Matic to stay. And I'm very glad he did. He obviously saw something. And, um, I, you know, I, the other thing about the Leicester game, which I thought was was fantastic, was David Luiz. He marshaled that defence. Um, Cahill was coming off the back of, I can't remember, was it an England game? 
uh, or or something. Yeah, it was. He, yeah, he looked was, yeah. absolutely. He looked so jittery every time he touched the ball. It was like, oh my god, what's going to happen? Louise nursed him through that. Louise was was the manager's mouthpiece on the pitch. He was fantastic. He yeah. was cajoling. He was talking, and I know that you and I, Tony, have said this yep. a million times. He is the next captain, and yep. the sooner he's given the armband, the better, in I, my opinion. And I, I think that really shone out against Leicester. But the one I noticed this against Leicester, um, and it was very similar against Manchester United, that Louise was pointing. He played the ball to Cahill, and as he played the ball to Cahill, he would be pointing Kante or someone out to Cahill, yeah, and he was bigging Cahill up every time he did something good, good tackle or whatever. He was over there clapping him, patting him on the back. Um, you know, do you know what that tells me? That that I call that leadership. I call that you know that's like you said, the the, 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 the manager's voice on the pitch. Um, you know, really, really interesting stuff. Um, Kweku, your thoughts. I'm I'm so glad that. Can you guys hear me? All right. Yeah. yeah. Perfect. Perfect. Yeah. yeah. We'll, we'll tell you. Don't you worry. We'll tell you when we can. Right. I'm I'm so glad that um that Clayton has mentioned this point about David Luiz because I I wanted to make this point earlier but um I wanted to give a little bit of love to Victor Moses sh- uh, straight from the off. But I think this guy David Luiz. You know, um I wrote an article last week um about these these uh I've got to be careful what I say. Uh, people who um, are the bubbling establishment who have come to a view on David Luiz that seems um, that they they seemingly cannot change, which is that he's some clown with funny hair, um, plays like a PlayStation football. Oh, Gary uh, Neville, you mean then? Well, well, you know, I <laughs> yeah, don't want to go too much into Gary Neville because I respect Gary Neville in in, in other ways, but on this, um, and it's not just him; it's a whole load of other people who should know better. Um, are behaving without any emotional control whatsoever. Um, David Luiz against Leicester, um, as Peyton said, and I was sitting in the West End um, and I was watching him very, very closely. Um, he performed what a captain should do. A lot of people talk about captaincy and they don't really think about what it actually entails. And what captains should be doing is they should be translating the manager's message to the players on the pitch. That's what they're there to do. A manager can't shout... Um, louder than 40,000 fans or 50,000 fans. And when they try, they get very hoarse. So a captain is there to make sure that the manager's instructions are being followed on the pitch when in, in the heat of the, in the heat of the battle. David Luiz was doing that against Leicester. He was doing that against Manchester United. You talked about the Cahill example. Um, you could see it. I was, I was in gate nine. And, and can I just give a brief apology to everybody? We may have got Pedro booked because when he came to celebrate his goal, we wouldn't let him go. Um, so. <laughs> So, um, and that was, that caused his booking. Um, so you, you could see David Louise talking to Cahill, marshalling Cahill, talking to the fence, telling them where to stand, telling them where to be. Um, this guy is just, all he seems to get is disrespect. And I think if, if the footballing establishment won't give him respect, then it's down to us to give him some respect because the guy, quite frankly, loves Chelsea Football Club. He, he will never be uh, Marcel Desailly or Franco Baresi or Ricardo Cavalli or John Terry. But that doesn't mean he can't be a very, very good defender. And that's what he is. He's a, he's a good defender, not a fantastic one, just a good one. He'll make mistakes. He will um, maybe do things that, you know, we don't like or, you know, that, that, that smack to be, to be errors. But a lot of the things he will do 
a lot of the time will be very, very good. Indeed. And that's all you can ask. And that's I was going to say, he, he has um, this thing that I, I, I always remember, uh, an England cricket captain, he was never the best cricketer, a guy called Mike Brearley, but he was a bloody good captain. And he knew oh, he had a reading of the game, you know, that that that, that very few have had, or, or some have had. But I mean, he, you know, he he knew his limitations. Um, but as a captain, I always remember thinking, you know, this this man is a a, a real icon in the middle of the, the pitch when we're fielding or whatever. You know, that, that he he knew where to set the field and everything. Um, just just one one more quick point, yeah. just on that on David Luiz. And sorry, I'm going into a little peeing about David Luiz, but I just. Um, I think this guy, as I said, I, I, he's not shown enough respect. And uh, if Cahill had made, if uh, Gavin Louise had made the kind of mistakes that Gary Cahill has made, I'm delighted about Gary Cahill's renaissance, by the way. Um, but if Gavin Louise had made the kind of mistakes that Gary Cahill had made, this guy would have been, you know, he, he would have been sort of treated worse than David Beckham after 1998. Um, the reason why I think David Louise also gets a lot of flack is because he takes responsibility. And if you take responsibility and you make a mistake, it looks awful. But the fact is you try to take the responsibility in the first place. And that's what captains do. That's what leaders do. And if, if he is going to take responsibility and make the odd mistake here and there, I'll take that rather than a, a defender who hides. Well said. Um, someone's got a lot of crackle on the line there. So um, uh, well, we'll plough on regardless because that's the sort of thing we do. I'm going to talk about, you know, I thought the Leicester performance was really promising. Um there wasn't a bad player on the pitch. Pedro ran out of steam a bit, I think, in that 15 minutes um, in the second half when Leicester had their, their kind of 15 minutes where they were pinning us back, which we might have expected after half-time anyway. Um, but let's move on because it was a great result. But really, compared to what happened on Sunday, um, I think in our wildest dreams, I don't think there was any fan, unless they were, you know, had stupid money to burn, that thought we would win in the way we did. Um uh, it was one of those joyous games, and it was one of those mornings when I woke up and I thought, you know what, I'm not sure I'm up for this because I feel felt ill, shaky, usual thing. Think the granddaughter's probably passed something on to me, um, but now I'll persevere. I'll go. I'll go to the game and, and see what happens. And within 30 seconds, uh, actually, um, in typical me style, we scored after 30 seconds and everything died down. And I just looked to the guys next to me. I went, "That's too early." It's too early to score. <laughs> of course, you know, it was. Yeah, you were absolutely right. Yeah, you know, that. yeah, yeah. And yeah. it, it really felt like I was like thinking, "Bloody hell!" You know, we're going to have to put up with eighty-nine and a half minutes now of of of, <laughs> of, 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 of sitting back, you know, and trying to do a yeah. Jose on Jose. And thankfully, and I think um, it was quicker early on that said, you know, that, that we went to goal up, and then we but we didn't sit back we didn't there was no because normally it's a dangerous period after you scored and you you sit there and you think oh you know the other team's going to come at you a bit or whatever but we 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 carried on as we did I mean they were always you know it's it's naive to think that United weren't going to get good chances um and irrespective of whether they took them or not um our players were closing down United players beautifully Mm. um Hazard was almost sure. impossible to knock off the ball. So, um, my question for you, Donal, was it even sweeter because we poked Jose in the eye? <laughs> or um, do we care? I don't know. I my my chief um, emotion through it all was was one of just general. Ha- well, you're you're always fairly happy when you're winning four nil, but my my general feeling throughout it was just a 
joy that we were we were playing well and we were continuing on the form they'd shown, you know, against Hull and Leicester, and, and that you know, by and large, the the, the new system or the, the the group of players, you know, given that say William might have been playing, but for his mother, you know, so Pedro's in the team, etc., etc. You know, happy accident or whatever. You know, it was all gelling very well. Um, so because I wasn't there, I suppose I didn't have Mourinho in, in my line of vision to, to keep looking at him. Obviously, the commentary and everything keeps referring to him you know, quite tirelessly, so you turn it down. But <clears throat> I have to, you know, genuinely, I was more interested in, you know, okay, that their fortunes have dipped a bit like our own in recent years, but, you know, they're still one of the biggest clubs in the country. And, you know, to, money. and to beat them 4-0, um, playing well, yes, we had a little bit of luck. You'd say that maybe earlier in the season, Ibrahimovic would have put away that header. But as I've said several times, you know, on, on past uh, potting sheds, we seem to have, you know, that our, the general problem that we were having defending seemed to be exacerbated by the fact that every time we made a mistake, it went into, you know, we had no sort of luck in that way. It always seemed to end up in a goal. So maybe, you know, our old uh, regression to the mean is kicking in and the couple of decent chances that they had, um, they didn't take. And Courtois made good saves. I wouldn't say they're outstanding, but they were there were saves that needed to be made and he made them. And um, so I think, was it um, was it our old friend Tritzi or someone who, yes, she wrote a, a column for the Irish Examiner. That seemed to sum up quite well, you know, the sort of feelings about Jose on the day, you know, that it was really about the football. And, you know, in one way it was, we sort of closed the book on, on a rather sad chapter. But equally, I don't, I don't take any great joy from, from him being beaten. I'm sort of glad we won because I think it's, well, part of me was glad we won. And then the other, you know, deep in the, the, the dark, gloomy cave of, of Chelsea supporting is the idea that, yeah, we've beaten him 4-0. We're now going to face them in some game where it really, 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 really matters. <laughs> and he's going to win. Yeah. yeah and we'll forget. You know, I mean, this game did really, really, really matter in that, you know, it got us back up in contention. The longer we're up there, the more likely we are to get a decent finish this season. Yes, yeah. So, And it was also, I think, important you could end up with a good finish and, and never be any of the, the better teams. Um, and at the moment, I still consider United to be one of the better teams. They, they will click eventually, I think. Yeah. But yeah, deep down is my fear that, you know, another Moscow, a bit like Napoleon, you know, I'm, I'm sitting there thinking, <laughs> is there another Moscow? Yeah. As we start this campaign, yeah. you know. And I think, and I think, I think what my personal take is, I think Conti is a different, um, he, he looks the real deal to me. Um, Clayton, I'm going to come on to you now because, um, I, I'm, I'm intrigued because a lot of your, uh, your fine book, um, Powerball Discord, Discord was, was about, the relationship um, between the fans and Jose and the players and Jose uh, and the you know as as Emanalo said that the palpable discord that appeared to be coming was um, 
and and I had sort of made a few comments. I didn't know, you know, is it, have we seen peak Joe say, you know, he spent a lot of money, you know, a hideous amount of money that Man United have spent in the last couple of years um, to come up with a work in progress. Um, we could argue that we're the same, but I don't think we've spent anywhere near the levels of money that they have. Um, was it just the fact that we were so good, Clayton, um, on Sunday, um, that we just made them look ordinary? And, and one other comment for you, Clayton, as well. I just, um, I actually thought the Chelsea fans were quite respectful to Jose, and there was a couple of, you're getting sacked in the morning and you're not special anymore, which I didn't join in with, because I just thought, you know, the guy deserves a bit more from us. Your feelings? On the game and on sorry, Jose. Sorry, can, can I just interject yeah. for a second and say that I'm sorry I haven't bought the book yet? But um, I've been having sort of problems with my eyes recently, and I've obviously <laughs> passed it on the bookshelf several times. And <laughs> I thought it was about a big argument in the Vatican. I didn't realise it was palpable discourse. Palpable I thought it was palpable. <laughs> yes. So uh, obviously, I will now be yeah. rushing down with my new, oh, excellent, my new contact lenses to, of yeah. course, purchase to. Yeah. Carry you, on. Sorry to interrupt. No, well, you, you've just spoiled my follow-up idea. You know, because I was really keen <laughs> keen on writing a book about the Pope. <laughs> um, I, well, I, I think the thing is that I can be accused of being perhaps a little bit too much the other way. I can't, for the life of me. I, you know, we know Jose. Jose's been at our club in two spells. We know what he does. You either like him or you lump him. The fact is, that if he comes to your club and this is a historical comment, he'll win you things. I still don't think he's a busted flush. I think that something's obviously got to happen at Manchester United for, the, for, for him to dispel that within a period of time. I think Manchester United is the sort of club that will give him time to do that. So we'll see. I couldn't really understand, and I don't get all of the stuff that I was reading on social media. But people, you know... I who we're going to boo him, who we're going to do this, oh. we're going to do that. You know, Ridiculous. we, we yeah. have been going for 105 years. Or, no, my maths is terrible. Anyway, we've been going for a long time. 111. Thank you. We, we, we have won how many league titles? Five. Five. It? Yeah, five. Five. He's won three of them. Yeah. yeah. So to, to sort of diss this guy in any way, shape or form... It's ridiculous. Now, you know, I think the great thing that happened on Sunday, and I'm I'm so sorry I wasn't there to see this, was the tribute to, to the wonderful Matthew Harding. Yeah, it was very, very good. And, you know, the club need to be patted on the back because they did a, a wonderful thing and they honoured a man who is as big in, in our history as Jose on a different level, you know, a different thing. Put his money where and, his mouth was. Exactly. Uh, and, and I think that because that happened... The whole possible build-up of, of waiting for Jose to come out of the tunnel was sort of dissipated. And it didn't really, no. you know, from, from my perception of watching it on telly afterwards... No, he stood there in the tunnel it, earlier. No one, no one batted an eyelid, yeah. Clayton. And, and, I, and I think, you know, from that point of view, it sort of... It, it sort of... It, it brought everything down so there wasn't going to be in a reaction one way or the other. Yeah. The guy deserves our respect. He's done a lot for our club... And I don't actually think, I, I mean, I think he, when you see him being interviewed, you do wonder whether his passion for Chelsea is an act or whether it's true. 
I'm naive. I actually think that there is a connection there. And I do actually think, well, you know, anybody who's read anything I've written in the last 18 months knows that ultimately I would have sacked the team and kept him. But that's, you know, that that's a bizarre thing. But that's how I felt. Now, the fact is that you look at the team that won on Sunday. Uh, eight, seven, eight players were at the club. You know, yeah. he got rid of Louise. Louise came back. Yeah, that's Moses. a lot of players who basically were in his team, and they played a lot better that on Sunday than they did last season. We'll come on to because I yeah. know that's a question that somebody's raised, so I'm it not going to yes. preempt. Yeah, yeah. But I think the, the fact is that again we go back to the fact that we played really, really well. We played with a real high intensity. We did get the breaks. You know, um, as I mentioned earlier, we're lucky it wasn't one all, but it wasn't. So what? You know, that that happens. We're lucky that David Louise didn't get sent off. But, you know, the same clown, Atkinson, who didn't send oh, off terrible uh, Ash, ref. Ash, Ashley Barnes when he did the no. same sort of challenge on Matic. Matic, exactly my point. Exactly. You know, did, what goes did, around comes around, Clayton. Exactly. So, you know, that there's so many things which ultimately came out on Sunday those players obviously had a point to prove, you know, some more than others. Uh, they played very well. I don't actually think that it was to, to give Jose one in the eye because nobody mocked him. Nobody went and did sliding celebrations in front of him. I think it was for their own satisfaction, perhaps. The one thing that I think um, that what Dona was saying, um, I think it was important for us to win. Because I think after what happened against Arsenal and Liverpool, the perceived bigger clubs, we, you know, it's all very well that we beat Hull and then we beat Leicester, but we had to beat a bigger club. And I think if we would have come unstuck in the way we did against Liverpool and Arsenal, it would have undermined Conte in in what he was trying to do and it possibly in the eyes of the players because the players have to believe in what they're doing and if every time they play a big side playing in the way Conte tells them to they get stuffed they're going to stop listening to him so I think that was that was a thing as well for me that was very important about Sunday yeah Um, I I thought so much about Sunday walking away from the game thinking you know whatever and I quite cruelly on the fan cast the other night described you know the only thing I saw this is we're a Chelsea podcast, so we're going to talk about Chelsea, obviously. But obviously, Jose played a large part in that. Was he looked a, a, a bit lost to me? Um, I don't know whether this business about being separated from his family, because I don't care what people say about how much you earn, that is not easy to do to go and live apart from your family. Um, but there was a bit. I rather cruelly dubbed him as um, Alice in Wengerland um, on the fan cast because he looked like a man who didn't have a plan B. Which is not the Jose we know. Uh, you know, we've we've got a, a young coach who seems willing to you know change the game at the drop of a hat now. And Jose, in his awful terrible uh, first time round, was that man. He changed. You know, you, I'll, I'll, you know, you, I'll lock you off after twenty minutes if you're not playing. But he, he you know, he, he he looked similar to last season. He seemed to have faith in players that weren't actually really doing it for him. Um, in Sort of looking into the distance as if well something will happen soon I've got faith in it and it never does um, but we'll move on I think it was uh, we've said a lot uh, about sort of Jose and Manchester United I'm going to talk about the players and the manager can I, can I, say, can yeah, I say one more thing about Jose yeah 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 um, you know obviously he's, he's earning a vast amount of money and he is at the club that 
some people secretly think he always wanted to be at. But speaking as a sort of dad who's, you know, some plays football, and I spend more time now watching him playing and his, you know, teams playing than I do um, probably any other football other than watching Chelsea games. And his goalkeeper coach, his son is up at Coventry. He he drives up to watch his son playing all over the country for, for Coventry under-21s. Jose's son's at Fulham. And I guess now he hardly ever gets to see him. And, you know, you've got to think, if Jose is a football man, as we, we know he is, and his son is, what, you think he's 16, 17, he's, he's in the academy at Fulham, probably never gets to see him play, yeah. you know, because of the sort of regionalised nature of academies. Yeah. So, you know, I, I do I do wonder whether it's really, you know, with his father's illness last year and, and things like that, you do you do wonder, yes, a lot of what he does is an act and, and you know, he's, you know, if you're Eva Canero and people like that, he's certainly, you can see the bad side to him, but equally there is that sort of, you know, I've got a certain amount of sympathy for him, not over gushing. Um, I, I, I think, unlike Clayton, that it was better for him to go than the, the team because I think he'd lost the ability somewhere to, to inspire those players. But, yeah, I do sort of, you know, He's missing out his his children's growing up in some ways. A lot of fathers, a lot of mothers, that happens to them, and um, a lot less money. So I'm not, you know, playing the violin for him. But you do wonder if part of that is is feeding into what appears to be his body language these yeah, days. Absolutely. We shall see. We shall see. Quicku, um, I'm going to approach a slightly different subject with you, Quicku, um, because we can move away from the Man United game. What's done? He's done. It was a brilliant, brilliant, brilliant day. Um, and you know, and you've made your mark on Pedro by getting him booked. I think that's you know that's, that's <laughs> definitely definitely <laughs> something. Can I can I just make a quick aside about the Pope um, when we were talking about revelation, uh, 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 an absolute revelation, Clayton. Yep, no, no, he has. Um, uh, I've I think I've I've said before that I I sort of slightly resented all the sort of gushing. Is that me or is that Queku back? Yeah, Quacko, that is really bad. It's so so um interfering. Yeah, I'm afraid it is. It's really bad interference. Um, we'll, perhaps Quacko, we'll we'll give it five minutes and I'll, I'll yeah. try and do something there. It's go really go really bad. Yeah. Okay. I think, I think it might be the right yeah. Um, Carry on, Clayton. Sorry, mate. Should have gone to Radio Rentals. <laughs> <laughs> I'm for the teenagers or oh, yeah. <laughs> Um No, so I, I, I was sort of slightly resentful, thinking, you know, we, why, you know, why would we need a player like Victor Moses to to make our team better? Which is dreadfully, dreadfully snobbish. And then I think, you know, I, I perhaps it was the last podcast. I remember that, you know, in the championship winning sides when Jose first arrived, we had Tiago, we had Jeremy, who wouldn't necessarily be your first choice to, to be in the side, but they were, and they were integral um, parts of it. And I think uh, the beginning of last season, I mean, well, you know, so Jose made so many strange decisions and, and last season when we the, the the side came back so obviously unfit, the only fit player in the club appeared to be Victor Moses. He looked really good in pre season. In fact the only thing that looked good in pre season yeah. and, and before looking... you know it, he was out the door. Yeah. Which was, was was a was a great shame. Now 
you know, this year, as you say, either by luck or judgment, um, Conte has identified how he wanted to play. I'm very much of the feeling that I don't know what you guys think, but I'm very much of the feeling that, that Conte basically gave the existing team, the existing formation about six or seven games. And then halfway through the Arsenal game, he thought, do you know what? That's it. I've had enough. Uh, I'm going to do what I want to do. And and that has coincided with the change in fortune of how the team have played, how well we've played. Um, and I, th- I think, you know, that shows a sign of a great manager. And if he can sort of build on what he's done, I've got a, I've got a funny feeling that we're going to make a couple of fairly serious purchases in the, in the December transfer window, especially if we're still knocking around where we are in the table. And there's a, a really serious push for the top four, because for me, that, that is imperative. Um, yeah, no, I, you know, I've gone off topic, but I think Victor Moses has done brilliantly. He's, he's really, really impressed me. I still don't think that we've actually played anybody that has actually really gone at him. Because on the odd occasion where it, it has happened, um, it's I, I, I've been slightly worried. But, you know, that, that's just a, that's a, a, the only concern that I've got. But at the moment, he, he, he's looking really good. Good, good. good part of a good unit. I think um, if I if I remember rightly, when we were talking about you know after the whole game, I think we were a little bit sceptical about the, the this formation. You're know, playing three at the back. We didn't. I seem to think we had a bit of a we kicked the can around a bit and weren't too sure it was going to stick. Um, yeah. And you know, to I think one of the things about Conte is that he can be you know um, quite flexible in what he does. Or one would hope. He would be, um, but um, yeah, I, I tell you, I think you're right. We don't know really whether the, the you know, using Louise uh, Aspinacueta and, and say Cahill, whether that's an ideal three. Um, I noticed last night against West Ham, they they were working to isolate Cahill all the time because of his, you know, obviously they felt his distribution wasn't going to be. Um, as good as maybe Louise's or Terry's and also isolating him, forcing him to pass it into Aina, who also had a, a bit of a, a strange game. But, I, you know, until it will go wrong on occasion because I think he has to, he has to work it through and, and, you know, work out which players are going to, are going to be able to, to play the system successfully in any circumstance. And he obviously doesn't, doesn't know that yet, but but certainly, you know, Moses would appear to be one of those who who can play that system or, or is is showing early signs of being able to play it. And I think, uh, you know, both both of our you know wing backs at the moment appear to be well, you know, making making the system work. Exactly. And as for Jan- as for January, as for the transfer window, if we are going well, and if if the team is bonding together and playing <clears throat> well as a unit with you know, and we're not talking just 11, we're talking 15, 16 players, you know, some of the so-called, in inverted commas, fringe players. Um, you know, the ghost of Faustino Asprilla still ah. walks the corridors of, of the Premier League. You beat you know, me to it. We have to be it. very careful. 
Did I? I'm sorry. Tony. You did, mate. No, no, that's all right because we, you know, he he was, you know, that's where it all did go pear shaped, wasn't it, for for Newcastle yeah. that year? And I don't mean that. I don't mean him as a person. I think no. it's just. Balancing the team, player yeah. in suddenly trying to accommodate yeah. a player that maybe doesn't fit the way they're playing successfully at the time. Yeah, you have That's to it. trust that Conte or whoever is working with Conte, you know, knows yeah. what they're doing. And I, I, I agree. I, I've been looking at, you know, I, I just think that I watched Moses quite close, closely on Saturday, um, Sunday, sorry, and he was magnificent. I mean, he just did not stop. Um, uh, and he, you know, whenever he picked up the ball he, in defence, his first instinct was to clear it, but to get it out to somebody who was in a blue shirt. And when he was running up, he he was trying to take players on and play Hazard in. And I think Hazard, um, who I described after the Leicester game as as football engineering, um, just looked just superb. And he looks far, far, far happier. I mean. Uh, I, I I don't want to use the phrase Vorsprung Dirk technique because he's Belgian, but he looked. He looked. <laughs> but he you, looked just, you just did. I just did. But uh, you know the advancement through technology, and he's he's like an advancement of human technology that he. Um, you know, we, we talked earlier on about Louise's tackle, but it was in a passage of play that, to my mind, shouldn't have even happened because Hazard had been pulled down by Bailey about thirty mm. seconds before that. And Atkinson, who I think is very possibly the worst ref I've ever seen, and I've said it before, you fall nil up, you take the ref decisions out of the game. He was appalling, appalling on Sunday. Um, he, you know, his 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 whole refereeing of the game was just horrible. Um, you know, there were things that not given that were blatant. Hazard was not protected, and he was pretty much the only way they got him off the ball was bumping him off the ball. And pulling his shirt and, and this sort of stuff, and yet Atkinson seemed to flatly refuse it. You know, so whether that's a just a Chelsea thing, a hangover thing, or whatever, I don't know. But he was appalling. Um, but Costa as well. He's another one I've noticed. Um, it, it seems a lot happier. It goes into this thing, but we're going to talk about the question later on, but um, or, or shortly. But he looks happier, and Costa seems to have had that nasty edge taken off him. And you can't help but wonder if there's an Italian. You know, I mean, did he wake up one morning and find a horse's head in the in in bed or something? You know, that has made him think, "I won't go, I won't cross this guy." I don't know. But Costa looks a lot, lot happier. I think he's just focused. I think he's focused on the job. He's getting the service. You know, it, I think uh, last season a lot of his problems came from frustration. You know, he's, you know, he probably didn't feel as fit as he should have been, and yeah, you know, he wasn't getting the service and and. Yeah. You know, was fighting with himself perhaps as much as everyone else, and I think at the moment he's he's sharp. You could tell last night. You know, Batshuayi struggled all night with uh, Winston Reid. Costa came on. Yes, he fell on his ass a couple of times, but you know he'd, he'd sorted Winston Reid out fairly early on, um, and not and not not by elbowing him or doing anything, no. but just his movement, Me. his physical presence, etc., yeah. etc. And uh, you know, should have should have scored at least one goal but you know and I think that's that's the thing with Costa now yeah. he's, he's he's focused on scoring goals he's Indeed. not focused on on you know throwing a, an elbow or chucking a foot in saying yeah. that of course he'll now go and do that on Sunday or whenever Saturday but that that's the impression I've certainly had yeah. from him you know yeah, he's, can, he's completely focused on the job. I can, and, I can uh, see, I can see we've got Queku back on the line, and I can hear a crackle. So you want to try Queku again? You can you speak to us? Are you? Yeah. Have I, have I returned to work? 
there's still a heavy buzz, but it's not as buzz. bad. It's not as bad as it was. I think we'll, I'll have a chat with you afterwards and find out how you're doing this because, being a, yeah. an expert in mobile telecoms, I might be able to pick up on something for this. But uh, yeah, uh, if, if you um, if it's still too much, um, then I, uh, I, I don't know. I might have to sign off because uh, I'm not going to be able to Yeah. What I'll do? Yeah. What I'll do quicker is I think it's probably best if you if you jump off and then. Yeah. Um, live, folks. This is live. I'll, I'll I'll pick up with you tomorrow evening or or whatever, um, sure, sure. or at some point, and and have a little chat with you about what or what I think could be causing it. All right. All right. Okay. Cool. Excellent. Yeah. There see you, you later, go. guys. Yeah. yeah. See you later. Bye bye. 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 How ironic, isn't it, that, uh, that he's been that was the clearest he's been all night is when he said see you later, guys. Um, but there you go. Um, I, th- I, I think we, we, we persevered with him um, uh, enough there, and I think I'll, I'll, I'm sure I can sort it out and find out what he's using and that sort of stuff. Um, let's let's move on to the final part. Um, we're probably going to run over our um, hour, but you know, let's face it, it is the podding shed. We pod when we want, and we pretty much pod for how long we want. But I don't want to keep everybody all night. So um, I do want to talk about um, uh, the West Ham game last night. Okay, um, which. I took a, a personal view of this that in that I didn't really give a monkey's about it because um, although the EFL stroke milk stroke carling stroke rumbelows cup has been a good competition for us in the past, um, if we're going to win a cup this season, let's go and get the FA Cup old big ears back for us, like you know, because that is my favourite competition. And secondly, this was a great opportunity for um, Antonio Conte to look at some of the players, new and old, to see where, or even if they fit into the future of Chelsea Football Club under his tutelage. Um, and, and by that, I, I'm sort of thinking that he gave game time to youngsters like, um, I don't know if I'm pronouncing this right, is it uh, Ola Aina? Is that how you say his name? Yeah. Yeah, it is, is it? Um, Mishi yeah. Batshuayi, um, and the rather impressive um, Shalabar, who's um, made a couple of appearances, you know, in the Premier League now and has looked the part. So, in fact, a beautiful touch for the Victor Moses' um, third goal against Leicester. Um, but it's also, I think, allowing Antonio Conte to gauge John Terry, um, Oscar, less so Willian. I think Willian is it's a gentle way of easing him back in after his own personal mm. traumas or whatever. He was getting um, a right, not that you take much notice of Twitter really, but he was getting a right slagging on Twitter yeah. with Willian. And I, I just... Again, I probably am always watching a completely different game to most people, but you know, I I couldn't see why it was such a problem. You know, he's the man who injects pace and and yeah. a bit of forward thrust into the team. Indeed. And, um, yeah. You know, I, I my impression last night was that you know Batshuayi, you know, is a work in progress. He 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 doesn't look like he's comfortable holding the ball up against you know sort of rough and tumble at the moment, but that's probably going to come. It was only one game he's played. I think Oscar is, I don't know about Oscar. I think, you know, Aina looked a bit lost, looked a bit like he was struggling. But again, you know, you've got to give them more games. I think Oscar was the one for me that, um, you know, Terry we know is coming to the end at some point. But it was Oscar that still remains a bit of a conundrum to me. Mm. Well, that's, I, didn't, that's pretty, I didn't. That's pretty. On, well, I've got a similar view. I think um, I would be amazed if if we've got Oscar with us next season, or even possibly after after January. I really do. Clayton, any thoughts? 
Um, yeah, just, I mean, briefly on Oscar, I, I think that a comment I made at the beginning of the season or, or maybe the end of last season is that this is another manager that's come in and whatever you think about previous managers, we've had some quality managers over the last years since Oscar's been at the club and nobody seems to be able to get the best out of him. And I thought, right, OK, so we've got Conte coming in. Let's basically have a, a a season with Conte. And if Oscar still doesn't do it, then fine, let's cut our losses and say goodbye. Beginning of the season, before he got injured and before he was um, sent off on compassionate leave, he, he looked good. He he was working quite hard, and I, I, I think he looked decent. Um I think he came back last night and he he was sort of gave one of those performances where, where people just go, what is what's going on? What's he about? So let, let's just wait and see what happens and whether he's selected for the next game uh, uh, because it's going to be a tough game uh, away at Southampton and it might be that an additional player in midfield of a sort of working in a more defensive way is is um, is basically something that that we go for. Um, what I don't get, I mean, I understand that people are saying that he's got to bring in the kids and he's got little opportunity to see it. And I get that. And I think that's right. But to me, um, you know, you, you fall between two stools because you play these kids and then the minute something goes wrong, you haul them off. Now, Chaloba went off after 60 minutes. And for me, he was one of our best players. Yeah. Um, Batshuayi... He's never going to improve if you haul him off. Um, if he's not going to get game time, yes, he should have scored. But I think there are footballers out there, and there's loads of them, that basically cannot play unless they've got a rhythm. And if you keep hauling them off and hauling them on, they're never going to get a rhythm. So you either take the attitude, I'm using this game to look at other players and say, if we lose, we lose. But you can't, for me, what, why do you then, after 60 minutes, think, oh, we're losing 2-0, I've got to bring on the big guns? You either do it from the start, or you don't do it at all. I, that, that, to me, makes no sense. Personally, we were on a good run. I would have kept the same side. I know, yeah. you know I'm a banger of the drum for, for, for youth players, but I would have kept the same side. I would have tried to win that game because I basically, I, I've got no great love to win the game. I mean, you know, winning any tournament is fantastic, but I just think we, he's created something and there's something there. And then why change it? I mean, you know, West Ham wanted to win it. Why, why didn't we want to win it? I'm not saying we didn't, but you either, as I say, you either go with the youth and just say, we'll take a hit. If we get knocked out, it's fine. Those guys got 90 minutes under the belt. Or you say, we we go there to win. Well, I, I think he was he made a fair crack of trying to do both. In that, on paper, that team probably had enough in it to 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 do the job. It got to an hour. He he had to take one of his two central midfielders off, and you know I think we would agree that. If he was if he was seeing the chance to win the game, or, or to get back in it and get some pressure on West Ham, then he had to leave Kante on. So to that extent, he kind of had to take Chaloba off. Yeah, and you know, I think Chaloba's been around the block, and and he'll understand. You know, he got an hour. He 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 was trusted against United on on Sunday, and has been trusted against Leicester. Okay, they've been games where we've been winning, but he's got on and he's done his thing. Um, and 
you know, looking at the game last night, yeah, it was it was a very patchy performance from Chelsea, but two sort of quite poor goals given away. Yes, West Ham missed a, quite a few other really good chances, but in that last twenty minutes, you know, ignoring the the Batshuayi chance and and a William chance earlier on. Chelsea had enough chances to get back to two all and take it to extra time. Oh, you know? and, and so, yeah. and so you know, I, in some ways, it wasn't a badly judged. Given that Conte gets hammered for not making his subs early enough, mm. you know, if if we'd been three nil, four nil down and out of it, maybe he'd have left them on. But you know, at two nil, although that was a, a mountain to climb, he could probably see from the you know the way that West Ham was starting to tire that. That there was a chance to, you know, with Hazard and a couple of others on there, there was a chance to to get back in the game. I, you know, I'm not too worried about it either. I think he had to take the opportunity to give some of these players a run out. But in the end, you know, if if it's not happening and you think you can get something done, I don't, yeah. I, I don't think it's sort of a panic. If it was panic, as has happened, you know, with various managers, and you end up. With the team that makes no sense left on the pitch, then yes, it's panic. But I think with Conte, his substitutions made sense. He went for a more attacking lineup. Yes, if they conceded another goal, then it was all over. But in actual fact, he, he came close to, you know, to, to scoring. They, there was more than enough good scoring chances that they just didn't take. So uh, I'm, I'm going to I'm going to jump in because I'm sort of, uh, conscious of time. Um, I I. I tend to agree um, with, with Donald I think you're sort of striking a balance and and as I said it's not a competition I'm going to sort of grieve over uh, particularly for this season because I think um, you know I'm, I'm a big big fan of the FA Cup and if you're going to make a genuine effort in, in any cup competition do that and use these games I mean we would not be the first and we certainly won't be the last club to field I don't want to use the term weakened side but a different side uh, and use it as a bit of a sounding out um opportunity for 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 players in your squad the older players and find out you know how if they're properly fit or whether they actually fit into your new system especially when you've got a successful um or, or, or currently successful you know formation and and team spirit going um i just want to move on now a little bit uh, can i just say one last thing Tony? yes of course, yeah the, the result anyway had we won it under the hot and cold yes. ball system and the Man United, Liverpool and Arsenal have to play at home system, yes. we would have ended up playing United again. Yes. And did yeah, we yeah. really want all that nonsense? No. Yeah. I, I, was sh- I was shocked to see that Arsenal got a home draw. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and yeah. Liverpool got their 179th televised home draw in cup competitions. Yeah. Consecutive. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> I just want to move on uh, quickly. I've, I've got a little say that um, I... I, I you know, obviously didn't go at the game. I was following it on Twitter because it didn't appear to be very much in the way of, of uh, live football on anywhere last night that I wanted to watch. Um, but they <coughs> there was there was a, <coughs> there were ways and means. Yeah, I, I, but the feeds the, those feeds never work for me. I end up with Duh. a load of bloody adverts and. You know, I'm watching it five minutes behind Twitter when everyone's telling me we've just conceded a goal. I'm like, oh, for Christ's sake, you know. Um, so I think I try. I, I just live in a lovely bit of ignorance for for 90 minutes on games like that. Um, but it was trouble at the game. Uh, I don't know how much of it was. It wasn't there. I, I, you know, the 
a few things from Martin Wickham and a few other people I know who were there. And it seems to me that West Ham have got very big issues at this ground, which I'm desperately hoping that, um, you know, Chelsea will learn from and make sure that, you know, these are avoided, as, you know, around stewarding and, and policing issues. I mean, the very fact that they can't use the... Um, I think it's the airwave radio system in this ground. It's just, it's just defies belief that they, they would have been allowed to do this without that capability in the ground. Um, but, you know, with the, the sort of multiple exits and entrances and routes across the Olympic Park, it just seems to be a nightmare. But what I would say um, is, uh, is it just West Ham that seem, as a, a fan base, determined to drag people back into the 70s and 80s um, with this this kind of hooliganism rearing its ugly head again. Um, you know, I've always taken a very simple view that hooliganism is people pissing on the graves of 96 dead people at Hillsborough and 37, I think it was, that were killed in Heysel. And I just, you know, if you're ever a West Ham fan, you're going to stumble across this fuck off out of the game. We don't want you. Okay, um, it's just makes my blood boil to think that these idiots who are acting like eight-year-olds actually probably worse, um, you know, than, than any youngsters that you, you'd see in a normal playground or whatever. They just seem to be, I don't know, I don't know whether it's leeches, but I've seen it. I mean, it's creeping into boxing matches as well, where this this kind of tribal rubbish, you know, that you can only be tested by having a punch-up with the people opposite, even if they've got their daughter with them who's seven years old and you've taken them to the game. Um, you know, so I'm I was pretty angry at this and I, I really hope, really hope the FA come down very, very hard on West Ham. I'd, you know, ten games without any crowd, fuck them. You know, who cares? Um, yeah, and we're not, I don't think we're playing them for a while, so I can care less, but uh, I, I do think they really deserve... A lesson. I'm not sure that those sort of things ever teach these kind of morons that, but there you go. Any quick comments on that, chaps? Uh, no, other than the fact that, um, I mean, obviously not being there, I I saw the same as you did. Um, the the stadium's obviously not fit for purpose. How it's got a health and safety certificate, I've got absolutely no idea. Eight turnstiles for five thousand people. Uh, 500 Chelsea fans locked outside. Uh, there's been trouble at every single home game. Um, yeah, I was going to say, it's not just us, Sunderland and Middlesbrough. No. Go on their yeah. fan forums and they are livid about it. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think the thing is that you can't legislate. You know, if, if somebody wants to go there uh, and cause trouble, they will. You, I mean, I'm not defending the owners of West Ham because that would be the last thing I want to do. But in the same way that Jose couldn't anticipate losing a goal in 30 seconds, um, whilst they, the owners of West Ham can anticipate it, there's nothing. They get. If somebody wants to throw something, if somebody wants to court, you can't, you know, how do you know when you let that person in, into your house? Well, it's, and it's they're, they're going to yeah. be like that, you know, yeah. and, and, and that's society, unfortunately. I yeah. mean, if you think but, about but how, it. How bad was it in, in recent years at the bowling? I mean, it was always a bit of a, a place to go, wasn't it? But I don't think you had the same level of. Uh, I, don't, I don't think you do, but that that's basically because those grounds were policed brilliantly, and for whatever you know, people say is that policing of football in this country is is hmm. superior to to any other country I've visited in Europe. Uh, the uh, the police here are, are fantastic in in, in So so who is so this brings us to the point about the use of this state this stadium 
was never designed to be a football stadium. Correct. Um, it, it it might have it might have done as a stadium for someone like uh, like Norin if they wanted it, etc., etc. In order to to rescue the whole thing, it, they did a deal with West Ham. Now, who is now responsible for making sure that? the accesses and and the management of that stadium comes up to the same standards you get everywhere else. Taking away the violence, you know, how do hundreds and hundreds of people regularly get locked out of games down there? Because the the turnstiles don't work, etc. I mean, that's that's the owners. They're in charge of the damn place. They've got to sort it out, haven't they? That's exactly you know, right. And I've just they had World Cup rugby there. They've had all sorts of stuff going on there. Yeah. And, and there haven't been these problems. Um, so on the one hand, it's the management of the facility is is poor. It's not ready for, for the challenges of, of managing football. And then there is the personnel going there who obviously, you know, are going there looking for trouble. Now, that is something that, again, the management of the stadium is not. Well, fit for anticipating and managing that element away. It's it? interesting that they've, they are, according to the Mirror, I've just read the Mirror football headline, is that they're looking at, um, you know, 200 banning orders from, from last night alone. That's quite substantial. Uh, I don't know whether you ever stop it. And like you said, they, they, there was a, an interview with a Chelsea fan who'd been with his eight year old daughter, I think, this morning. She got hit by a few coins and various stuff like that. Obviously, very, very, very upsetting. Um, but as he said, you know, they said that the, the outside searches were very, very good. But how do you, what do you do about people with coins in their pockets? You, you know, there's... But Tony, Tony I've, I've, been, I've been down to White Hart Lane and, and at Arsenal. You're much closer to the away fans there than you are in, uh, in that stadium. Well, you're look, much closer. You're, you're, yeah. There's basically a couple of seats. You don't... Yes, stuff gets thrown, but we know what it's like. But you don't get anything like... A no. hail of coins coming. So no, no. that was happening all the way through the game. What were they doing about it? Yeah, yeah. Well, I, you know, you know the, the the only the only thing I would say um, is the fact that this was their first big game at that stadium, and obviously their boys had to make a statement, and they made a statement because obviously we are, you know, big rivals. I mean, it's it's pathetic. I mean, you get to a stage in your life and you just think, you know, life's too short, and and really just people who want to do that just yeah. I don't know Indeed. I mean I, um, I, I assume there is always another thing with Chelsea who are up for that sort of thing yeah there is we're not blameless yeah There's I mean if you if no I wasn't doubt. there so I the, the iconic photo of the evening was the man who was in uh, in the in the sort of the no man's land standing on the cover yeah. seat and that was a Chelsea fan yes yeah, so, and he was the one they referred to on the telly uh, on the radio this morning said he broke through the cordon and ran over to the, the, the West Ham fans giving it loads and then obviously thought better of it when he realised that he was out there on his own and that nobody else had followed him only to sort of like you know jump back in and lose himself in the crowd but you know I mean you know, I assumed he was just asking someone you know for direction did they want their, yeah, they want their change back yeah, you know, he had, it looked like he had two pockets full of change because his arms are so far out he was weighed down do you want your 275 pound 30 pence in change back yeah yeah exactly I'd, I'd have been the one that threw the 30 pence 
Um, yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, oh. moving on, I just want to, uh, I'm going to leave, um, I think, the the two questions. I've got one was a, a slightly rather cynical one, which was how long could you slam it full ball in a five star hotel suite in Manchester for free before pleading for help? Um, and I think we covered it earlier on with it's not quite as simple as that, um, Barry, uh, who, who sent me that question. Um, I think we've, we'll also cover what do you think actually did happen last year and why are the players so different? Um, this is a, a regular um, tweeter to me. Um, uh, who, who uh, tweets under the name at Flymo100, Stevie M. Um, we'll, we'll put this one to the next time if we're still performing it because I'm just conscious of time. Um, so we'll do a few parish notices, chaps, and then a quick AOB. Is that all right? Um, I think we'll move on. Um, so the parish notices, um, you can find this fine podcast on iTunes. Um, it'll be, well, it might be tomorrow. It depends how hard our Alan Parsons uh, like figure can can remaster it and 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 do something with Queku's voice. Um, I will get onto Queku and and reassure him that it was nothing personal, but we just needed to plough on. Um, and you can also find it at poddingshed.com. Just type it into Google, you'll find it. There's 78 other episodes there. There may even be 79 because obviously there is the ghost episode. Um, uh, which we we rarely ever talk about unless I'm in the pub and I need to tell a rollicking good anecdote about we, we did one of our best ever podcasts and nobody recorded it. Um, there's a quick plug for the Chelsea Supporters Trust. It's a, a brilliant organisation. It's headed up um, by um, a, a man I now consider a very good friend, um, uh, Stanford Chidge, David Chidgey. Um, it's your chance to get your voice heard by the club. It's £5 to become a voting member. It's free for non-voting members. Um, I think if you become a voting member, you may even get a little badge with it. Um, so you can sign up um, at ChelseaSupportersTrust.com. That allows you to attend the meetings and come to the events, and you can vote if you are a, um, a an actual £5 voting member, of course, um, on the issues that directly affect you and, and, and a chance to get your voice heard. And they do cover some great stuff around away ticketing and safe standing and, and generally lobbying the club about fan-based issues. You can follow them on Twitter. It is at Chelsea S Trust. Um, and I've got one last request, and I'm actually going to do something that's a, a little bit odd here. Um, it's a plug for another podcast, the Chelsea Fancast, in fact. Um, we've never really seen ourselves as rivals. Mm. Um, theirs is far slicker, far more professional um, and put together and scripted. Um, but both myself and Clayton um, feature on this fairly regularly, um, and I will with agreement from Chisby nicking other pundits from uh, the Chelsea fan cast to, to come on here and guest uh, on occasions however there is a current round of voting it makes, it makes it sound like we're sort of PS we're sort of Vitesse Arnhem to well I, I, I'm, I'm, Chelsea am I, yeah. I'm in the sort of no, no, no. I have a far far better analogy to this in a minute Donald but bear with me <laughs> so this is the final week right carry on this is the final week of voting in the um, Football Blogging Awards. Um, so I am going to plug the rival here because I'm, I'm part, partly because I'm on it and Clayton's on it, but also because it's very good. Um, and we don't do that sort of thing because um, uh, I would say that uh, the, 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 the Chelsea fan cast is a bit like the USA. It's bigger, brasher, louder. And we're a bit more like the UK. Okay, we're like the kind of smaller one that will sit in the corner in our Chesterfields and just basically say, oh, you know, let them get on with it. You know, that's what they want to do. We do have a special relationship with the fan cast. Um, the Football Blogging Awards, or the FBAs as they're called, 
Um, uh, our, uh, the voting closes this Friday, um, that's tomorrow, at 11pm. So uh, please vote for our special cousin, the Chelsea Fancast, as the best football podcast category by going to, and I'm just going to read it out here, Ah, this is an enormous one. This is HTTP Kona Session. Look, just type in Football Blogging Awards. You'll get it there, and then you'll find a voting thing, and we're, it's in there as the Chelsea Fancast. Okay. Um, you can also vote on Twitter as well. Um, all you need to do is tweet the following words. I am voting in the at the FBAs for at Chelsea Fancast as the best football hashtag podcast. And if you've got any doubts about it, just go and have a look at any of my tweets, I've retweeted it endlessly. Clayton's put it up a few times. Um, but any award is a good award. Um, and, you know, uh, which goes against what I just said about the EFL stroke milk stroke Rumbelow's <laughs> Cup or whatever. Um, we've got plans for future guests. I spoke to a couple of them in the pub on um, Sunday pre-match. Chidge and Dan Silver, Martin Wickham, um, are all willing to come on when the time is right. Um, any other business, gents? Don't all. <clears throat> No, I think uh, I think we've covered everything magnificently as usual in uh, our usual bumbling. Yeah. <laughs> I am going to go and put an arm around Quecko. I'll, I'll give him a call tomorrow um, because uh, you know we've we've suffered our share of uh, uh, t- technical outrageous fortune. Yes, gremlins and that before, and of course um, I happened to be on the fan cast the other week when, um, when, when 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 the lovely Jonathan Kidd, who I actually met on Sunday, had what we now describe as a theatrical moment. Um, using mm. the immortal words, this isn't working for me, Chidge. Dead air. Um, so, <laughs> so I, I understand and it can be frustrating. And for you, the listener out there, um, sitting there all on your own, don't get despondent. Um, these things are recorded live. We don't do, you know, vast amounts of takes on this or whatever. Um, we really Vast amounts. Vast amounts of takes. <laughs> Delete yeah. vast amounts is uh, any. Any. <laughs> we don't do any takes, yes. That's Slight uh, editing there. Yeah, yeah. It, there's Donald, the pen and teller of the podding world, giving away our secrets. <laughs> um, Clayton, anything else from you, mate? Uh, nothing at all, mate, apart from the fact that... Um... I just want to say, isn't our goalkeeper playing rather well at the moment? Oh, do you know, I had him down and we've just run out of time, but I do want to agree with it. I thought, Donald, Donald I, I think, slightly under under uh, underplayed um, the saves he made. He, he made three very, very good saves. He, he made, most, most of the saves were saves he should have made. Yeah. Two were exceptional. Yes, and the one at the end from Ibrahimovic was just fantastic. I know, but you know that does that doesn't unfortunately fit in with a lot of people's agenda who spent the first part of the season slagging him off. Yeah, and maybe like other people, he was having a dip in form. So I just think you know it's good to big him up when uh, when the other way goes. Anyway, um, absolutely. Yeah, I, I shall I shall doff my cap and, and wish you all a, a fond good night. Lovely. Um, <laughs> and um, it's good night from me. Good night from Clayton, and good night from you, Donal. Uh, bonsoir, mes amis, as we say. <clears throat> Thank you very much, chaps. <laughs>